0: Hello, everyone. My name is Jared Altick, and I'm a chaplain with the police department. The Hey Chaplain podcast brings you stories and wisdom about life in law enforcement, giving support and encouragement to those who wear the badge. This shouldn't surprise anyone, but cops want to catch bad guys. And when I talk to cops, they routinely tell war stories describing how they ran someone down, wrestled them into submission, and heroically made the arrest. Naturally, these fights occupy a lot of headspace. Officers spend time training for it. They carry equipment on their person every day for different levels of confrontation. And every time it happens, they risk serious injury or worse. I'm getting a good number of these stories in my collection, and I want to share a sampling of some of these fights and some of the experience that surrounds it. In this episode, you'll hear stories about foot pursuits and wrestling people on drugs, and you'll definitely hear the excitement of being in a fight, the rush of adrenaline, and the fulfillment of an officer's purpose to apprehend the bad guy. As exciting and even frightening as these fights can be, fighting discouragement can be just as challenging. So stay tuned to the end where an officer reflects on why they do what they do.
1: Yeah, I was a patrol officer for Kansas City, Kansas Police Department from uh, 1967. Up until about uh, 74. I was a patrol officer
2: at Overland Park Police Department in uh, the early
3: 2000s. I was a patrolman at the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department in the early 2000s.
4: I was a patrolman at Kansas City, Kansas Police Department in the 2000-teens.
2: Uh, I was a police officer for three different departments in Southern California. And during that time, I was uh, also a field training officer and a canine handler in the uh, mid-20-teens.
5: I was a line officer uh, with the Wendat County Sheriff's Department, oh, back in the early 80s.
2: Um,
6: I was a uh, patrolman. I was with Kansas City, Kansas from the uh, early 90s to the early 2000s.
7: Yeah, I was a uh, patrol officer. Um, for the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department um, from 94, the year I got hired, all the way to 2000. Describe your
2: first foot pursuit.
7: Uh, this is one of my
2: favorite moments in life. It's my, literally my very first night on the street out of the academy. So my first night in the field training and evaluation program, okay. also known as the FTO program, field training officer. program. I had a rookie FTO, so I was her first trainee ever, and uh, so she was really excited. Great person, super nice, very organized, not uh, not real seasoned in violence. And she used to be a dare officer, and here she is come back patrol to be an FTO, and she drew me, the Wyandotte County kid that's been watching foot pursuits and cops and and, and all this stuff. So my. First, very first night, I couldn't have wrote this any better. Um, I won't say it's our first call because I don't think it was our first call, but it was pretty early on in the evening. The bars were still open, and an officer calls for assistance. Not not that he's getting hurt, but he needs some help because he found a guy with a warrant at a, at a bar. And As soon as we pull up, so he was undercover doing a bar check, got somebody – That was a fake ID or something like that. Ran him. Finds out he's got a warrant. So we go to back him up. And uh, we show up. Well, we're in a marked car in uniform. He takes one look at us. He's gone. And uh, it's 119th and Metcalf. Thousands of cars go through that intersection a day. And uh, this was a busy part of the night. It's around midnight or so. What have I seen in my life? Somebody runs. We chase. So I bail out of the car before she even stops, and I'm off and running. I leave my FTO in the car, and she is shocked. She has no idea what to do, and I'm chasing this guy down the middle of 119th Street with cars going by me in both directions. He's running. I'm having the time of my life going, this is what I'm talking about. That's why I'm here. I'm here for this. I chase him for about four blocks and chase him into the edge of the perimeter, and he turns a corner and... There's our guys, and they snag him. And I'm just like fist pumping. I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm here. She comes over and she just lights me up. And she, I can't believe you did that. Why'd you do that? And I said, uh, Bad guy ran. Good guys chase. And uh, she's kind of let me have it. Well, this seasoned veteran of a lieutenant was the watch commander, was out in the field that night. And uh, when she turned her back, he high fived me. And goes, I heard about you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great story. <laughs> what technique or equipment never worked as advertised in your experience?
1: I never cared much for the uh, nylon batons that they had. Okay. They We used to have wooden nightsticks, and they got rid of the wooden nightsticks and they got these nylon batons. And if you laid them up on the dash or they got in the sun, they warped. And really? they, looked, they looked like a pretzel. If they got real cold in the wintertime, they got brittle. Hmm. And to me, personally, it was just a waste of time, a waste of money. Okay, uh, The wooden nightstick never had that problems with them. Right, right. In fact, they went back to the wooden nightsticks... For a long time, and then they got rid of them, and went to the collapsible batons. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, some of them still carry them, but uh, in the past few years, a lot of them have gone back to the wooden sticks again.
0: And the advantage of the wooden stick is what that it, that it is more durable. Uh, what else, what other advantages to the wooden baton?
1: More, it, it's more durable, and it's intimidating.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah, the ones in KCK are like small baseball bats.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Because I made about 350 of them myself. (laughs) Uh, They're they're a lot more durable, and it's the intimidation factor. Mm. Yeah. Uh, That's just like with the police riot guns. With the 870, which is a pump-action shotgun, you get into a situation and you rack the action on that 870, it gets your attention. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of times that takes care of the problem.
0: It is a very good de escalation yes. technique. Yes. Yeah. You know, just be so intimidating that you just take the spirit, take the fight right out of
1: them. Exactly. And that's that's true with the to me, that's true with the nightstick. If you've got a big long wooden, like you said, baseball bat hanging on your side, that's a lot more intimidating than a little bitty round thing that's half inch in diameter and yeah, Maybe a foot and a half, two foot long. It's yeah. just
5: a world of difference. You know, as I said earlier, I try not to uh, get physical if you can use what's between your ears. I never backed off of a confrontation, but, you know, I try to uh, not escalate it either. But every now and then you'll have somebody that, you know, they're going to take you on whether you like it or not. Uh, especially those that uh, you bring in that's been on drugs. I remember one in particular. This guy was a little beanpole, man. I mean, he wasn't any bigger than a pencil, and uh, he was on PCP. And I don't know whether you've dealt with anybody on that stuff or not, but they don't feel pain. And uh, I remember him. I uh, had, had him in cuffs, and I thought we were pretty secure, and he lifted his head. And I had on a pair of metal frame glasses at the time, and it drove those glasses clear through my nose. Uh, and so, you know, we had to take him down. Uh, again, I never tried to hurt anybody anymore, and I had to. You know, I, I when I took the oath, I took it very, very seriously. And uh, I wasn't there to abuse anybody, but I was going home at night. That That's one thing about it, so... You know, I, I had, to, had to deal with him. I've had to deal with a lot of them through the years. You know, we've, we've had some pretty tough characters in there. Uh, I had one one time uh, when I was inside the jail and he was one of the prisoners, and uh, he told me the next time that I went down the row to do my checks that he was going to kill me. And I told the fellow at the time, I said, look, you need to understand something. I says this badge that I wear, I says I took an oath and I said the day that I'm afraid to walk these aisles is the day that I'll turn this badge in because I'm not worthy of it anymore. And uh so I waited about 20 minutes and then I I went down there and and he's standing right in the right in the lane. And I had to pass him, and, and I went ahead, and as a matter of fact, I, I took my time making my checks so that I could make a point. And I'll be real honest with you, I got a lot of respect from him after that.
0: Did you ever get in a fight, this wouldn't be a first fight, did you ever get in a fight while you were a detective wearing uh, civilian clothes versus a uniform?
7: Yeah, yeah. That's why um, people always, I mean... I dress nice, but I always wear like my boots shined. Mm-hmm. I buy like uh, nice slacks at Walmart for ten, fifteen bucks, a nice button-down shirt. Yeah, and and people go, you know, some guys would come in these suit and ties, like, well, I don't know why you do that, because sometimes you end up in a house going through stuff, or you end up tussling with somebody. Yeah, I was like, at least this way, if my shirt, and my pants get ruined, it's like, okay, I've lost maybe yeah forty bucks, fifty yeah. bucks for the whole yeah. thing. I always wear the clip on. They go, why do you wear that clip on? I was like, because when you grab it. And I've had that happen to me because back in the day in the winter, you had to wear a tie with your uniform. Mm-hmm. And I've had a guy thinking, oh, I'm going to grab this dude's tie and drag him to the ground. Well, he grabbed it and it came off in his hand. And he right. kind of looked at me. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's right, buddy. Fights on. I got you.
0: <laughs> that's good. That's good. Describe your worst on-duty injury. You've had some doozies off-duty but what's your what's your worst on-duty injury?
4: <clears throat> now, this might be able to fall back into one of the craziest fights I've had. Okay. Uh, so we got a call, uh, out-controlled juvenile. Most of the times when we get this call, the out-controlled juvenile, it's usually a simple, you talk to them, you get them to calm them down, mm-hmm. you rationalize with them, and you move on your way. Other times, they don't want anything to do with it, and they want to take, the parents or grandparents want to take the child to uh uh, juvenile Intake and Assessment Center. Okay, uh, this was a case. It was a grandparent or grandparents and a sixteen-year-old uh, girl out uh, of control. Parents didn't know how to handle her. Uh, we kind of gave her the hey, uh, we're we're going to take you into custody, transport you down, juvenile being out of control, and we'll go from there. Our child need a care, and this turned into a fight. Between the other officer and I and, and the juvenile. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so, it started off in the juvenile's bedroom. And we're talking, we're in we're a in, uh, trailer, so we don't have a whole lot of room to work. So, starting started inside the, the trailer, her room inside the trailer, came out to the hallway, ended up busting into the bookshelf that was there, into the computer table that was there. And we finally got this lady to where. She was on her stomach, and we were trying to pull her hands out from underneath her. Well, I had reached in with one of my arms to try to grab it out, and she ended up biting me. Oh. Uh, she bit me on uh, right on the meaty part of my hand between the index finger and thumb. Uh, quickly after that, I think she realized what she had just did, and we got the hands back at you know back in uh, into handcuffs, and we were able to get her transported. But the amount of time spent at the hospital was nearly not worth the five-second bite that it was because you had to go to the hospital, and then they do blood work or they they clean your wound up, and then you go do blood work for like every six months afterwards for like two years. Oh, wow. uh, To see if you've been infected with anything. Right. And then you got like the cocktail of pills to take to prevent an infection of some sort. That's been the craziest on-duty injury that
0: I've had. Describe your worst on-duty injury.
4: (sighs) Well, probably
1: my worst one, and it wasn't... I was fortunate. I never received too many severe injuries, but probably the worst one was a 17-year-old girl uh, biting my hand, almost bit my thumb off. Oh, wow. I had to get several stitches in my thumb. Uh, That was probably the worst one for me. And I wanted so bad to hit the young lady, but there was too many people standing around. And I really didn't have justification because it doesn't look that bad if she's biting your thumb.
0: Yeah. But it
1: certainly hurt.
0: Yes. You're the second officer I've had have the exact same adolescent female bite you in the hand. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Describe your first foot pursuit.
3: <laughs> um, it was a well. Let's see. Now that wasn't the very first one. Probably the most notable one. The very first one was really nothing. But um, the most notable one was I was working downtown at midnight, and I used to chew Copenhagen loose. Okay. And we had chased this guy for what we believed was a robbery, and he crashed his car and he got out, it, got off, taken off on foot. And back then I could actually run because I was young and nimble and not old and slow and bad knees. And and I get out of the car and I take off running and I instantly swallowed that whole fresh plug of Copenhagen. And I made it about 30 steps and it's all coming out. And the sergeant's like, do you got him? Do you got him? I'm like, no, I don't. And he he comes around the corner and somebody else snatched him up and we got him. And he's like, what happened to you? And I'm still puking he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I swallowed a whole dip of Copenhagen. He goes, oh. (laughs) So he tries to give me some of his um, wintergreen something else. I'm like, oh. (laughs) That was mean. That's a good way to learn how how to quit. Yeah. Yeah, it was horrible. (laughs) And now even the smell of like loose leaf, it almost still turns my stomach.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good story. (laughs) All right. Do you have a particular fight that it, that did stick out from the others?
2: Yeah, we. I can remember one where we tried to take a guy into custody that was um, on PCP, which is like a drug that mm-hmm. makes somebody very strong and violent. Um, it, it was it was one of those fights where there's five of us on on one guy just rolling around, getting flung off with like by superhero powers, and we ended up getting him into custody. But it was, I think everybody had you know an arm and a leg and um, Controlling the, the head and the neck, trying to get the body to go with it. It was it was yeah. pretty good. It was it was a good good scuffle in the middle of the, the intersection. Wow. And the guy was naked too. So oh, yeah, that.
0: they're all was naked. Yes, yeah, yeah, sweaty and naked.
2: So, <laughs> yeah,
0: good, good. All right. Describe your first foot pursuit.
7: I can't remember what I was looking for this gentleman for, um, but I know there's a, a very short car pursuit where he jumped out of the car and then started running on foot. And we ran multiple blocks, weaving in. I'm on my little handheld saying, okay, we're going north here. And I'm thinking, you know, I was in really good shape at the time. And um, I'm making sure I'm articulating. Um, I'm calling out the streets. I know exactly where I'm at. And I'm like, and we're running. And probably about getting close to a quarter, half mile into this foot pursuit. I'm like, where is everybody at? I should have people coming to help me out. And there's still nobody there. Well, he he's starting to get tired, and luckily, you know, because I was in good shape, I ended up catching him. Uh, I tackled him. I put him in a pair of handcuffs, and I'm like, and I start to get on my radio. I'm like, hey, I'm here, and then I look down, and that whole time I'm running, I didn't turn my radio on. Oh, no! <laughs> So, I'm sitting here calling all this out, but nobody's coming because no, nobody no. knows what I'm doing. And then I was just like, you know, well, I can get mad if I want, but it's yeah. my fault. So, it looked, luckily ever turned out, everything turned out just fine. Yeah. As soon as I got on there and turned it on, you know, I had people there helping me. And that was again back at the early part of the career, so I didn't really have to worry about you know football shoots, reports because there was no such thing about those back then. Hmm. Okay, yeah. those came in later on in my career, but yeah, yeah it was just uh, hey, wake up, dummy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Describe the first fight you were in.
2: Um, well, let's see. Oh, I can't remember. You know, honestly, I can't remember my first fight. Um. But I can tell you something early in my career that were pretty interesting. So one of them, uh, we got sent to a family disturbance where uh, the family asked for help for a guy that was acting erratic. Okay. Not assuming anything, but just they're saying erratic. They just wanted some help getting him out. Okay. So we go to it. It's up on 75th Street. And um, I'm the first one at the door, and it's me and, and a sergeant, and I'm confident in him. He's confident in me. And so we go ahead and go, and a backup's coming, but we go ahead and knock on the door, and I'm i a point guy. I'm right up front. And the family answers the door. Like three of them answer the door at once, and they're blocking the door while they're talking quietly because they don't want the guy that we're there for to hear him talking. And they're going, he's inside, and we need him out of here, and we think he's high. I was like, oh, okay. Well, as he's talking to him, all of a sudden, he pops up behind him. I was kind of like, whoa, There he's right there. And he's like... Officer, I'm glad you're here. I need your help. I said, okay. let's said, what can we do for you? And so we go on inside. And now we're inside. The backup shows up. So there's three of us in there. And it's we decide we got to get this guy out. Because we figure out he's done some things. He's threatened some people. But we also figure out he's hiring a kite. He's hiring a kite. And while he's talking to us, we could tell his body temperature's is going, he's starting to sweat profusely. He's got his shirt off now. We're like, oh, Okay. He's high on wet. This is a little excited delirium kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But we got to get him out of here. And as soon as we go to put it, and he complies and puts his hands behind his back. But as soon as that second cuff started to go on, he pulled apart and shoved one guy. And so I go to grab him. And this guy was so strong that he gets his arms around my chest and shoves me. And I actually come off the ground. Unfortunately, he landed on the couch. But the cool thing was was I wasn't just like, oh goodness, you know, call for help or nothing. I first I trusted the guys I was there with. I thought, "Oh, okay. The fight's on now. The playbook <laughs> is open because he just threw me across the room and he's under arrest. So, we're doing whatever we got to do." Mm-hmm. And it took 5 of us to get this guy under control and he was still tossing us around, and he's trying to swing at us and punch on us. Oh, wow. We're doing all kinds of things that we trying to get him under control with different strikes and stuff, and finally we get him down. It took one of us on each limb and then one person to handcuff him.
0: Did you have OC spray or anything like that at that yeah, point? Yeah, it was okay.
2: ineffective, but yeah. we didn't yeah. use much. That it would Now, uh, we probably could have used more, but it was a quick spray to his eyes. Mm-hmm. He closed them and turned away, and then— the rest of us were like, no, 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 we're all in here. Yeah,
0: yeah. and yeah, uh, indoors.
2: Right. Yeah, and yeah. flailing around, it's just going to yeah. bounce off and hit us all. So we were just like, no, and you got to, not much more than a few uh, coughs. Yeah. And uh, But, yeah, we finally got him under control and um, got him out. But, yeah, that was th- being thrown across the room. And you look at him, you're like, he can't throw me across the room. But, man, they get powerful under that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: What kind of uh, like worst experience or something like that made you feel like you wanted to quit? It
6: wasn't probably a singular incident. It was probably a just a a culmination of a lot of the same things over and over again. And primarily it was we were running, Mm -hmm. you know, 27, 30 calls a night just back to back to back to back. And, you know, we're going to the same addresses over and over and over again. Um, and it's just the feeling that, what are we doing on here? We're not making a difference. These people are still in the same terrible situations they were in. We can take people to jail. They can be convicted. They're back out six months later, and here we go again. You know, it's the same thing. It's the same domestic. It's the same man beating the same woman. It is the same child being neglected. It is... And that's another thing. It You go into some of these situations, and... Probably no fault with the parents, but the children just living in these horrendous, horrendous, terrible conditions that we could have pulled, you know, 20 kids a night out of houses, but we had no place to take them.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: And all that culmination, when, when you do the job, when you take the job, for the reasons I took the job is, I, you know, it was the, the stereotypical, I want to make a difference in the world. Um, you learn very quickly, that's not going to happen. You're going to be lucky to make a difference on an individual call in an individual's life. And that's what kept me from not quitting Was that I realized, okay, I, I'm not saving the world I'm not even saving a city block you know I'm not saving a neighborhood um, But maybe I can intervene In this one particular situation And make this life better for this abused woman Or this abandoned child Or if I can You know, arrest this gentleman on the corner Who's been, you know, boofing Smoking crack all day long If I get him into a situation where maybe he can get some help You know When you break it down to just two an individual basis i can make a difference in an individual's life that made a much more realistic goal and that's what kept me from
0: quitting to all the officers who prepared themselves to fight the good fight thank you thank you for bringing peace to our streets and to our homes even if it's only temporary your sacrifice is known and felt and appreciated I also want to thank the officers who were willing to sit down and share these oral histories. If you'd like to participate, please contact me through the Hey Chaplain Facebook page. If you liked what you heard here, please share this episode with a cop or someone who loves a cop. If you like this type of episode, please listen to Bonus Episode 2, titled My Worst Police Car, First Hand Accounts, or Bonus Episode 3, My Holiday on Duty, First Hand Accounts. You'll hear some of the same voices. And each time I do a firsthand account episode, you'll hear a few new ones as well. The views expressed here are the personal views of the hosts and our guests, and do not necessarily represent the views of any law enforcement agency or its components. Thank you for listening today. And as always, pray for peace in our city.